Several years ago, the BBC had a documentary about Jesus Christ. And they were trying to find the historical Jesus Christ. And the narrator was a guy named Jeremy Bowen. And he made this statement. Tell me what you think about it. Rhetorically, I'm telling you to tell me what you think about it. He said, it's not really important who Jesus was or who he wasn't. What's important is what you believe him to be. That is a bunch of baloney. If if Jesus is just who we want him to be, think how silly that is. He could be the Easter Bunny. He could be Santa Claus. And I'm all for both of those guys. But who Jesus is or was uh, or wasn't is everything. I mean, listen, guys. As far as being a Christian, everything rises and falls on who Jesus Christ was and is. We're going to use a lot of scriptures tonight, so you can play along with me in, in your Bibles. We're going to, John chapter 1 would be a great place if you have your Bibles you want to find. But you can write down a lot of these. They'll be on the screens. I'm going to try, in our series on Beliefs Matter, I'm going to try to take in about 25 minutes and share with you who Jesus is. Herschel Hobbes, Dr. Hobbes was a great New Testament scholar, and he said the Bible uses about 80 different names to describe the person, the work, and the nature, and the essence of Jesus Christ. How in the world can I do justice to that in 25 minutes? I can't, but I'm going to try to give you four big thoughts about who Jesus was and who Jesus is and how important these things are to you and me. Number one, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. And we touched on this last week. We're going to touch on it a little bit more this week and drive it home. In verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The, the biblical word there, word, literally means message. It's not a single word. It's the Greek word logos. We have uh, computer software now, logos. But it, it's not a single word. It's a message. It's a, in, in the Greek, in this context here, it's a message. And a message who is a person, Jesus Christ. The word, it's talking about Jesus. It, it uses the, the verb was several times in this one verse. And, and that word was in the Greek language was what is called an, an imperfect tense verb. We don't have that in our English language. But imperfect meant it is a continual uh, process, a continual thing. Keep that in mind. It says that in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and that means that He's continuing, Jesus Christ, and the Word was with God. Now, if you're taking notes, this great. This is some deep and important stuff. It means that Jesus was with God. He was face-to-face with God from the beginning, and that He is equal to God. It says in the Word not only was with God, the Word was God. Remember, that's an imperfect tense Greek verb was, it means that he was God, he is God, and he's always going to be God. Was, is, and will be God. Jesus is God. John 1, 14, and the word Jesus became flesh, and he dwelt among us. That word dwelt there literally means to tabernacle. In the Old Testament, remember before they built the permanent temple, they had the portable temple called the tabernacle. Jesus, he didn't come down here in the earthly form to stay for good, but he came down here for a while in bodily form. It says to dwell uh, among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Jesus is God. 
Jesus came down to earth as God and man. We're going to see more of that in a moment. In Colossians 2, 9, and some scholars say this is the most definitive verse in the Bible about the, the deity, the God of Jesus here. It says, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Did you get that? In him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Let me, let me get kind of elaborate on that. It means in Jesus alone, every single part of Jesus, he is the very essence of deity, the very essence of God. He is the state and the bodily form when he was on earth of God. He's the bodily form. In bodily form, he was God. Folks, that's profound, isn't it? In John chapter 14, verse 7 through 11, listen to this. Now, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. It's at the Last Supper. It's the end. Boy, things are tough, and, and they're heartbroken. And here's, here's what is said. If you, Jesus says, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Now, do you following that? Let's go to verse 8. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Verse 9, Jesus said to them, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me? Philip, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Did you see that? You've read that a hundred times and you've missed it every time. Verse 10, it says, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, verse 11, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Now, what is Jesus said, Philip, when you see me, you don't see just the Son of God. You don't just see a a religious deity. Philip, when you see me, you see God. Is that not, man, that's not overwhelming? And I'm going to, hopefully I'm going to drive this home how personally applicable that is to you and me in just a moment. Now, folks, let me tell you, 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 we live in Ruston. 50 years from now, who knows? But right now, to say Jesus is God's not going to cost you anything. 2,000 years ago, Jewish people would have stoned you to death for saying that. In fact, that was one of the reasons they got trumped up charges on Jesus to have him killed. I'm telling you, you go to Saudi Arabia and walk through the streets and say, Jesus is God, and we will see your head come home in a different package that your body comes home. You will die for that. That's how serious and significant that is. We are told over and over in the New Testament, Jesus Christ is Lord. I've explained to you the Hebrew understanding of Lord was God the Father. To call Jesus Lord is to call Jesus God. Lord means the master and the supreme authority, Jehovah in the flesh. I'm not, you can write this down if you're taking notes. We don't have it on the screens. Hebrews 1.3, Hebrews 1.3, and I'm paraphrasing, says, Jesus is the exact imprint of God's character. Being in nature and essence, God. Now, you're saying, all right, preacher, that's all good. That's nice theology, but what does it matter? Here's what matters. When you see Jesus, you see God. When you study the Bible and you study Jesus, you see God. When you read your Bible and you hear it preached and you're in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and you're reading about Jesus, you are reading about God. Now, here's how I grew up. I grew up with two distinct beings. There was the strict Old Testament, pretty tough judging God, the Father. 
And then there was the sweet, merciful, kind Jesus who counterbalanced. And in my house, that was daddy and mama. (laughs) Folks, that's not true. God the Father is sweet and merciful and full of grace. And Jesus Christ is sweet, merciful, full of grace and full of truth too. When you see the Son, you see the Father. Now, folks, you may hear at times people talk about, well, God, you know, the, the God, God's will's revealed in His Word, but there's, you know, He has a, a, a different will and a, and a different agenda, and we can't all see that, know that, and they'll, they'll throw out, ver- well, you know, we can't know the mind of God. Well, of course we can't tap the mind and the character of God fully, but let me tell you this. The Bible says, when you see the Son, you see God. There is no secret agenda, hidden agenda, that's not seen in Jesus Christ. When we see Jesus, we see the Father, I read this today, and I think it's so good. You cannot put God in a box, amen? But God put God in a body, Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? You can't box him in, but he was put in a body for us to see. Listen to what one theologian said. Jesus is the audible, visible word. He expresses the heart of the inaudible, invisible God the Father. Jesus is God's great visual aid. Don't you love that? Jesus is God's great visual aid. Somebody takes you on some pipe dream theological study about the the things of God we can't know, this and that. You can say, you know, whatever. And say, you know what, I know God pretty well because I know his son, Jesus Christ. And his son is not only his son, he is God. Jesus, do you see how that matters? No? Y'all want to pray and go home? Jesus is God. Here's the second thing. Jesus is the Son of God. So, well, I believe that. Well, that's good. You you know, probably 80% of the world wouldn't believe that. George Barna, this is staggering. George Barna, the poster, several years ago, and I guarantee the statistics have not got better, They surveyed kids, teenagers, who said they went to church, who were active in church, and they asked them, is Jesus the son of the true God? 63% of the teenagers interviewed said, no, Jesus is not the son of the true God. Wow. Hmm, does that matter? You remember John 3, 16? Everybody knew that when they called on that. You were hoping you were on stage so you could step forward. For God so loved the world that he gave what? His only son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You can't make sense of this, but Jesus is God and he is the Son of God. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 17, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do the people say that the Son of Man is? Verse 14, and they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. Verse 15, he said to them, But who do you, now this is the question, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Verse 17, Jesus brings it, he says, and Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood is not revealed that to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Don't you love that? Is it important to believe and accept Jesus as the Son of God? You aren't going to heaven if you don't intellectually accept that. If you're not willing to to buy into that. The Son of God shows His deity and it shows His relationship 
to the Father. It's neat in the New Testament. If you read it enough, you'll see that even the demons call Jesus the Son of God. Might be wise for you and I to buy into that and accept it. I want to challenge you tonight, accept by faith Jesus is God and accept by faith that Jesus is the unique one and only Son of God. It's not only just a good theological thing to know, it's a key to heaven. Here's the third truth about Jesus. When Jesus was on earth, he was 100% God and 100% man. That's a pretty good trick, isn't it? Do you believe that really? 2,000 years ago, they did not have a problem believing Jesus was man. You know that? They didn't. They saw him sweat when he got hot. They saw him get tired and have to eat. They saw him in the carpenter shop, hit his thumb on his hammer, uh, his thumb with a hammer. Now, he didn't say what you and I say, but they saw it swell up and they saw it hurt. Jesus' brothers, his own brothers and his family, they believed in Jesus Christ, the son of Joseph and Mary. They didn't believe in Jesus Christ. They believed in Jesus, the son of Joseph and Mary. They knew he was human. They became Christians after the resurrection. See, 2,000 years later, we, many of us, don't struggle with the fact that he was divine. We struggle with the fact that he was human. But he was on earth 100% man and 100% God. And believe me, this is important. In verse 14 of John 1, again, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. I mean, that one verse sums it up. Jesus, God, became man, lived among us. You know that Jesus' favorite title for himself was the Son of Man. Jesus talked about himself. He would say the Son of Man. He, he admitted to being the Son of God when he was confronted with it. He didn't deny it. He didn't go around saying, I'm Emmanuel. I love that song at Christmas, Wayne. We sing Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus didn't go around saying, Emmanuel. He didn't, you know, he didn't sing that to himself. He was. He didn't. He called himself the Son of Man. What does the Son of Man mean? Two, two basic ideas. Mark chapter 10, verse 44 is one of many. Jesus says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. The Son of Man does two things. Believe it or not, it affirms his deity. Way over in Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, Daniel says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. Verse 14, and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him, that's the father, And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples and nations and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. Now, how many of you believe that that was a prophecy about Jesus Christ? So when Jesus said, I'm the son of man, he was affirming, I'm fulfilling prophecy. I am the son of man. I'm the son of God. I am deity. But the son of man also tells us that Jesus Christ was human. His humanity. Didn't have a biological father, supernatural. Had a biological mama, the virgin birth. You know the story. You say, well, why is this important? I mean, it's a cool idea. It's a cool concept. You need to know it theologically. Why is it important? Let me read to you a strange article, and then I will tie this in. Charles Foster, Dr. Foster, is a respected veterinarian, a practicing lawyer, and a teacher at Oxford University in England. That's a fairly good resume, isn't it? But as noted in his book, Being a Beast, Foster also has an unusual practice. 
Every so often, Foster tries to live like a badger. We have a picture of a badger, I think. (laughs) Are y'all awake still? This is a funny story. Yes, like one of those dark-dwelling, tunnel-making, rodent- and worm-eating mammals. Usually he does this alone, but for a few days, once he took his eight-year-old son, Tom. That's child abuse. On a friend's farm, they made a human-sized badger home, a 15-feet-long hole that they would sleep in. Charles says over the years, he has probably spent six weeks living underground like a badger, sleeping during the day and awake at night like real badgers. For Foster, the main part of living like a badger involves crawling around on the ground like they do on your hands and knees. He blindfolds his eyes while he's doing this because badger's eyesight is terrible. And he eats worms, earthworms, since 85% of a badger's diet consists of worms. Now, besides being a weird, very intellectual guy, why does he do that? You know why he does that? He's obsessed with badgers. He loves badgers. He wants to try to figure them out. Seriously, why would God leave heaven to come to earth? I want to tell you, God leaving heaven to come to earth is a lot weirder than a man playing like he's a badger. God God left heaven to come to earth. Jesus was here 100% God. He didn't lose his divinity. He just took on the body of a man. You know why he did that? So he could identify with you and me. So, So he could teach us how to live. So he could show us the way here and eternally. In Hebrews 2.18, listen to what Hebrews 2.18 says. For because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. This is a very important point. Jesus never sinned. Jesus could have sinned. Folks, it is not pulling off any miracle if you couldn't sin not to sin. Amen? I mean, you put a gigantic bowl of spinach in front of me tonight, I will not be tempted at all. I I will not touch it. I will not touch it. You put ice cream, the odds are different. Because I'm liable to fall for that. Jesus could have sinned, but he didn't sin. But he suffered just like we do. He understands life like we do. Jesus came to earth 100% God, 100% man to identify with us. That's a very important part of the Godhead. Now, here's the last part. Jesus is the only way to salvation. He's the only way to salvation. If you've got courage, I encourage you to start telling people this. Now, again, in Ruston, it's fairly safe. You do it on Facebook or Twitter or something, it may not be as safe. I don't know where you were. You probably go place around tech and might get rebuked for saying it. Cindy and I, years ago, met a man in New York City. I've told you this story. If you've been here for years, you've heard it. Uh, we were on a mission trip, and Cindy and Amy Barr and I were on a street corner handing out breakfast bars and spiritual tracts and information about a church that we were there working for. Cindy and Amy handed this man a track. Unbeknownst to them, he was a Jewish psychiatrist <laughs> and no fan of Jesus. And he came back with a fury, and Amy and Cindy did exactly what they should have done and They threw me under the bus and said, he's the preacher. (laughs) So he came to me hot. What happened was we ended up talking for about 45 minutes. He and I I emailed twice a week for seven or eight years. He's passed away now. We talked on the phone several times. Always very cordial until I would push it a little bit. And one time he said, Chris, you hate me. You hate me. And I said, wow, wow. 
hate you. Why do I hate you? He said, because you tell me I'm going to hell without Jesus. You start telling people Jesus is the only way, go to Washington, D.C. to those Fruit Loops and start saying that. They think they're the way, by the way. Why is it the only place you can't be narrow is in religion? Have you noticed that? How many of you, if you go to Dr. Sanders and Dr. Sanders says you've got an infection, a sinus infection, do you want him to say, look, I'm going to give you 40 prescriptions, fill them all and take one to one works? No, Will, we don't want that. One, you can't afford it. Number two, that's not the way. You, you want Will to say this is what you need to take, correct? You're on an airplane. Do you want... Tim's flying your airplane. You want Tim to say, hey, today we're not going to be narrow-minded. We're just going to land wherever we can. You know what, buddy? I am praying hard and buckling up, aren't you? (laughs) Give me another orange juice. I mean, you want the pilot to be narrow. Unless it's an emergency, you want him to land on the, where he is supposed to land at the airport, Right? That specific run, runway. If, if you've got kids or grandkids in school, I do not want some goofy math teacher telling my kids two plus two can equal whatever you want it to. It doesn't. It equals four. John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Memorize that verse. By the way, that's a Jewish Jesus speaking to Jewish people. So it applies to Jews, Gentiles, everybody. I love to quote that and do what Billy Graham does. When people get mad, you'd say, I didn't say it, Jesus did. Throw Jesus under the bus. He can handle it. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Here's Peter and John, two Jewish disciples talking to the Jewish religious leaders. And there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It is spiritual malpractice to withhold that. Jesus didn't come and say, I'm one of many ways. Who is Jesus? He is God. He's the Son of God. He came as 100% God and man to identify and to reach us. And he claims he is the only Savior. And I buy into what he claims there. You know who Patricia Heaton is? She is an actress. She was made famous probably in the show, uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. You you know that show? And, And... uh, she is a, she's a funny character on that show. She's smarty and prissy. And, but she's a, she's a real sweet Christian lady in real life. She made a tremendously profound statement. Patricia Heaton said this, Jesus is the separator. She said, now, some people don't want to talk about God at all, but if you talk generic about God, about you know, we go to a religious place, we believe in God. Most people are okay with that. But you start saying we are followers of Jesus Christ and Jesus is the only way and we believe he's the son of God, God in the flesh, that's when separations start to happen. By the way, Jesus said 2,000 years ago, I'm going to do that. I'm a separator, not because I'm mean, it's because people got to make a choice. When someone says they're God and the son of God, They're the only way to heaven. That draws some distinctions. Folks, I want to read to you one more passage. In Philippians chapter 2, this is something I want to encourage you to go home and read tonight. Verse 5 through 11, 
God through Paul is telling us how to live. And then he gives a theological statement of depths that you couldn't plumb in 10 hours. Have this mind among you, among yourselves, the mind which is in Christ Jesus, who though Jesus was in the form of God, he's God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Before I read on, let me tell you what that means. It doesn't mean Jesus gave up being God. He gave up the glory of heaven and the, the wonderful beauty and the pomp and the power of heaven. Not to give up being God, but to become man. And it goes on in verse 8. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to God be the glory. Amen. What do you need to do tonight? What do you need to do tonight? Here's what you need to do. If you're a Christian, you need to make sure you understand these truths, you embrace these truths, and you let them sink from your head to your heart. And you praise God and Jesus Christ for who they are. Maybe tonight you want to do that at the altar. We would love for you to. You're here tonight and you'd like to join our church. What kind of church are we? We are a Jesus church. If that's what you're looking for, come and join us tonight. Maybe you're here tonight and you're not a Christian. Pretty laid out in the Bible who Jesus is. He's the Son of God who came to save you. And if you will come tonight, we will help you give your life to Christ. Let's stand. You respond now as we sing.